Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of our Sunday morning service as we launch a brand new series today entitled Simplify. Simplify, I love that word. And uh, full disclosure, Simplify has been my word of the year for the better part of a decade, really. I love this word. It simply means to make something easier to understand or to do. To make something easier to understand or to do. Part of the reason why I fell in love with this word is because my, 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 my life, not my wife, my life became increasingly more stressful, became more filled with anxiety. Because of my schedule, my life was becoming more complex, more complicated. And really, the move to simplifying is to move away from complex and away from complicated. And it helps us to be able to breathe again and to live again. And let's be really honest with each other. The last seven weeks have been anything but moving away from complicated and complex. It has gotten more complicated and more complex than ever before. It has been a time where we have had to relearn. Schedules have been upended. Our, our, our routines have been completely changed up. Everything from how we do school to how we go to the grocery store, everything has changed. And when you change people's routines, you change all of those kind of like mechanistic parts of our life where we don't have to make a lot of decisions, where we can just automatically get things done. And now that little part of our life has turned into 100 new decisions. It is stressful, guys. Stress and anxiety are bound to come and be a part of it. And you will physiologically feel it in your body. I have. Can I be really honest with you? There's be times where you will feel your heart beginning to race. It's throbbing in your chest. There's times where you can't seem to get a breath. You will find yourself yawning in the middle of the day just to get enough oxygen, especially, and if you're like me, when you open your email, your eye calendar, or your bank account, right? Am I right? Am I connecting with anybody out there? Yes, that's when it happens. As a matter of fact, the American Institute of Stress tells us that 77% of Americans, that's nearly four out of five Americans, uh, feel, experience symptoms of stress on a daily basis. And let me tell you a little secret. That was done before coronavirus, okay? So my suspicion is, and I'm sure you probably be right along with me, is that it, now this is closer to five out of five Americans are feeling symptoms of stress right now because life has radically changed for all of us. My question for us is to launch our message today and really this entire series what do you do when that starts to become the norm? What do we do? How, do we just live in it and just say, well, it's just the new normal. We're just going to have to live with it. It's just going to be like this. Or is there something that we can do? Today, I want to introduce to you one of my favorite invitations that Jesus ever gave. And it is an invitation to live differently. It is an invitation to the kind of life that he lived. And let me just tell you right now, it is counterintuitive, guys. It is very countercultural, even before COVID 19, 
right? It is a way of living that he adopted. We can see it all over him constantly. He lived this way all the time. And he invites us to come and follow him, to come and apprentice under him, and to learn these ways of living. And if we do, they will set you free. They will make all the difference. It is a calling to a simplified life that may seem kind of impossible right now. But research shows, it it tells us, it's been proven that when we begin to simplify our life, cortisol levels and stress begin to come down. And what's beautiful is that peace and the ability to focus, to be creative, to be able to love people and even God goes up when we learn to live the way Jesus challenges us. And this is what we're gonna be unpacking over the next several weeks is discovering together what does that look like and how do we do that? How do we live this out every single day? Is this a challenge? It's a challenge for me. It's been something I've been working on, like I said, for the better part of a decade, and I have just upped my game big time in the last two months because of the circumstances. And I I think this is a beautiful and amazing time for us all to say, okay, we're gonna get serious about following the invitation that I'm about to introduce to you from Jesus. It's from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And some of you have read these, you've seen this many times, but I want you to really soak it in this morning and take a look at what Jesus is promising here. Here's what he says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you hear that? What a beautiful promise. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel weary today? burdened anybody like tired down to the core of your soul down in your bones just tired it's not a physical tired most of us have been you know quarantined at home but you're just tired I feel it too there's a fatigue that goes with this kind of stress all the time and Jesus is saying listen I'm inviting you to come and follow me to come and learn from me, to come and apprentice under me, and I promise you, you're gonna learn a new way of living, a new approach that is going to radically change the outcome of what you've been feeling. And so today, I want us to begin, and this is what we're gonna be unpacking over the next several weeks, is really looking at what does the New Testament, what did Jesus specifically teach about how to live out this incredible challenge? And here's how we're going to begin. We're going to begin with this question. What did Jesus teach about this kind of simplified life? And today I want us to take a look at two incredible principles that I think could be life-changing. It's a great place to get started, kind of a launch pad, if you will. And the first one is this. There is a very real spiritual battle, a very real spiritual battle going on right now for your time and your attention. A very real spiritual battle going on for your time and your attention. Here's something that Jesus was crystal clear about that he taught all through his ministry is that you and I have a very real spiritual enemy. He's also God's enemy. Jesus called him Satan. And that Satan's one and only objective, his purpose for existing as far as he's concerned, 
is to divide you, to keep you away from God and away from everything good that God desires for your life. And over in John chapter 10, there's a beautiful passage where Jesus begins to unpack this idea. This was his favorite metaphor, by the way. He used it over and over and over. He says, I am your shepherd and you are my sheep. And there is so much in that metaphor, this beautiful application there. But Jesus is saying, I'm your shepherd and you're my sheep. And you need to know the number one competitor for the shepherd are thieves that want to come in and steal the sheep and sometimes wolves, but he really zeroes in on the thieves, and he says, listen, you need to know you have a spiritual enemy who is a thief, and he's coming to try to destroy your life. And he's coming at times, especially when you're easily distracted, when you're afraid, when we're fearful. And he says this, he he tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose, this is Jesus' purpose, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Doesn't that sound great? A rich and satisfying life to find rest for your souls. The things that he promises are promised by lots of people, but only he is the place, the source, where we can find those things. So, What is he talking about here when he says this thief, Satan, the spiritual enemy, what is he doing and how does he do this? How does Satan do this? How does he trick us? How does he come in and and thieve away or steal away our attention and our time? Well, first of all, you need to understand that he is way more sophisticated, way more intelligent than we give him credit for. He never shows up in a red suit and a pitchfork, you know, like Will Ferrell in an SNL sketch or something. He doesn't, he do, I always think about him in that, that classic skit. Uh, it, he never comes up like that. Here's how he typically shows up. He shows up as an alert on your phone when you're trying to read your Bible, right? Bloop, bloop. Bloop, right? It's a distraction when you're trying to listen to your wife, you're trying to really connect with your wife or your kids or really any other human being. It's the stress and anxiety that goes with the feeling that we need to be always on, always on, going, 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 because our phones many times are always on, going, going, going. There's this chronic busyness, what's been called the uh, psychosis of busyness in our time of going, going, going. And you hear it. If you ask people, you say, hey, how you doing? Most of the time, people say, oh, I'm good, just busy. Even during the coronavirus quarantine time, we're good, we're just busy. Like, busy doing what? Like, we're all at home, right? Now, maybe you aren't busy, but we all feel that sense that if we aren't, we should be. Like, that's what you should, you ought to be busy doing, you ought to be making, you know, like, don't have any downtime. You need to be keep going. You need to be, like, consuming or doing something during this time. And over and over, we see this, this feeling like we need to keep going and moving and, and, and not stop right? I love this beautiful um, quote, and I want to share it with you in just a second, but first let me say it's from Corrie ten Boom, who was a Holocaust survivor, and she's writing about one of the devotional secrets that she's learned in her fellowship of God. Now, I can only imagine, like, she has such a beautiful approach to the love of God, but I love the insight that she shares right here. Here's what she says. She says, If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. 
If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Now, when I first read that, I thought, wow, that's pretty profound. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, that woman is brilliant. That is a brilliant statement. And and here's what I, I understood after I kind of contemplated it and marinated on it for a minute, is that both sin and busyness accomplish the same task, doesn't it? It separates us. It cuts us off from God, from other people, and even from our own souls, ladies and gentlemen. That's what busyness does, and our enemy knows that. There was an interesting study that was done by Dr. Michael Zigarelli from the Charleston Southern University of School of Business. He did this massive survey of people where he was looking for obstacles for growth, and specifically, this was really interesting, he zeroed in on Christians. And Michael Zigarelli, he surveyed 20,000 Christians from all over the globe, and here's what he discovered. This is really interesting. He discovered that busyness is our major distraction from spiritual life, not just in this country, but in every country. Isn't that amazing? And he came to this conclusion that busyness and overload is sort of our default setting. Busyness and overload cause us to marginalize God, and when we marginalize God, obviously it deteriorates our relationship with him, and as that relationship deteriorates, it makes us more open to accept and to, uh, uh, to follow the, um, uh, the kind of secular perspectives on how to live this life, And when we do that, then we are prone to more busyness and more overload, and the cycle begins again, and we just continue to get underneath this load. And he says, the irony is the way to break out of that is to learn how, figure out how to slow down, to simplify Life. It's so incredibly important. What I'm saying to you today is this new speed of life is not Christian. This new speed of life that our culture has just adopted is anti-Christian. It's anti-Jesus. That's a strong statement, isn't it? And here's why I say that, right? Why would I say that? Here's why. I want to ask you a question. What was the supreme ethic of Jesus' kingdom? What was the most important value that Jesus taught over and over and over? For many of you, you'd say, oh, it's simple. It's love, right? It's love. And we see it all throughout the Gospels. Places like Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, where Jesus was tested by the Pharisees. They came to him and said, all right, Jesus, teacher. They were tongue-in-cheek, very sarcastic. Tell us what is the most important, the number one commandment of all time. And Jesus says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Many of you already know that. Maybe you don't know that. It's important that you do. Jesus said those are the first two and most important. One of the last commandments Jesus gives right before the cross, right before he gives his life for all humanity. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he says, a new command I give to you, to love one another as I have loved you. And by this, All people will know that you are my disciples, a word that means follower. It also means apprentice, that you're an apprentice under me. You're learning to live like me. He says, if you're my disciple, that you need to love one another, and all people will know that you're my disciple. If you do this, to learn 
to love. Jesus just saturated his teaching with, this is the number one, supreme ethic. This is the highest priority, love. You need to learn to love, to understand God's love for you and to learn how to share that love with other people. It's so incredibly critical and important. But here's the challenge, guys. Here's the challenge. Love has a speed, and it's painfully time-consuming. I don't know if you've realized this. I know some of you, the parents out there, all know what I'm talking, all the parents go, oh yes, absolutely, I get it. (laughs) Yes, it is. If you have a child, you know, love, loving that child is painfully painfully, uh, time-consuming. It's painstakingly time-consuming every single day. If you have a best friend that you've had over the last several years, over the last couple of decades, you know to love anybody for a long period of time, it's painfully time-consuming. If you've ever fallen in love, oh my goodness, ever in your life, you know you can't fall in love in a hurry. Well, I guess you can't, but you can't learn to love in a hurry. But it takes time to love and to learn to love other people. It reminds me, by the way, of a great 80s song. And I can't ever let this kind of moment get away from me. By Mr. Phil Collins. And here's how the chorus went. He says, and my mama said, you can't hurry, love. No, you just have to wait. She said, love don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. Woo, all right. I know what you're thinking, and you're welcome, okay? Uh, we, we have a profound moment here from Phil Collins where he is telling us, yes, Love don't come easy, and it is something we can't hurry. In other words, hurry and love are incompatible. They are incompatible. It is something that we have to learn how to slow down, that we have to learn how to love not in a hurry. It's incredible to see how this is such a powerful thing that just like um, oil and water, can't be mixed, love and hurry cannot be mixed. It is something that we have to slow down. We have to learn to love other people. Now, what's beautiful about this, I, this moment is that also the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when he's describing love for us, he's giving us a description. And maybe you've heard this at a wedding before, verses four through eight, all the time it's quoted in weddings. But I love it that the first descriptor that is given for love right here in this passage is that he says, love is patient. It's patient. It requires patience of us. In other words, Paul would say, listen, Jesus taught this, right? He's saying, you want to have a great loving relationship with your spouse? Learn to be patient with them. Man, that is a challenge for all of us, me included, all of us. You want a better relationship with your kids? Be patient with them. You want a better relationship with God? Learn to be patient in that relationship. It is what paves the way for a deeper, more meaningful relationship. Love has a speed. Love has a speed. There's a reason why when we talk about our relationship with God, we talk about it as a walk. Your walk with God. A walk with God. I've heard it described as God as the three mile an hour God. You know why? Because three miles an hour is about the average walk speed. 
And I love that God chooses to move with us in a walk pace. You know why he does that? Because he loves us. He cares about us. If he didn't love us, he'd move really fast. And he would say, I don't care if your cortisol levels are spiking. I don't care if you're freaking out. This is, you're on my terms. You're on my time. And I don't care. And we're going to move how I want to move. But God is saying, I'm going to move slow so that you can follow with me. But you have to make time for me. You got to make this a priority. You got to get alone with me. I love this. That hurry doesn't mix with love. Love has its speed and it's not hurry. Hurry, and you've seen this. Hurry kills relationships. I've seen it, you've seen it. Hurry kills relationships. Love requires patience, and hurry doesn't have it. And this is what kills many relationships. And it is so beautiful, guys, and maybe you've seen this in your own life, that when you sit down with somebody, even if somebody that you do not agree with, that doesn't agree with you, but if you will take the time, and you will be patient, and you will listen listen to them and you will try to empathize really put yourself in their shoes it is incredible even though you may get up from that conversation and still may not agree that person will feel loved by you isn't that incredible that takes time that is the power of the patience of love i've seen people say you know what i don't know that i necessarily agree with that person but i know they love me i know they care about me Nobody else takes the time. No one else sits down to listen. No one else really takes the, a moment to really hear my heart. It's so powerful when we do that. It makes all the difference in the world. And it's really important for us to remember that at this time, to take full advantage of this time while we are in this shelter-in-place kind of moments, to take some of this extra time, even today, and sit down with your kids and your spouse and the people around you or maybe over your phone or uh, texting or whatever and, and maybe pick up the phone to call somebody and just see how they're doing and listen. Like, you just say, this whole conversation is gonna be about me listening. You don't have to tell them that. You just tell yourself that. God, help me to listen. Help me to be patient. Help me to show them love in this moment. What a powerful gift that so few do anymore. So few do this anymore. And, and let me just quickly say that hurry, all hurry is not evil. And there are times where hurry isn't even unavoidable especially if your life is full of, of meaning and purpose and you're living for something and you're doing things important, there are going to be times when hurry is going to be a part of the day. It should not be, it should be the exception, not the rule. It should never become the rule. There are going to be those moments where your toddler's running for the street and you've got to get out there and hurry and get in front of them, right? There are times, guys, where your wife comes to you and say, my water just broke, it's time to go to the hospital. It's time to hurry, right? Those are moments those, I think we could all agree, are the exception to the rule. There are things that we can do to arrange our life so that we don't have to live in that. That occasionally it's okay, and there's gonna be times where we gotta do that, but the rest of the time, we need to slow down because what has happened to our society, and this has maybe happened to you, I know it's definitely happened to me, is that there is this pathological busyness that has started to creep into our life where we are constantly on the go. 
that we are addicted to the dopamine hit of the speed of life, where we feel like we gotta be always on. That's even a mantra in our society. I recently found out always on came from our factories when it was cheaper to keep all of the machinery working all night long and into the next day than to shut it down. The problem is, we're not AI. We don't function like that. We can't be always on, even though our phone is always on. But we feel like we need to go, 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 go all the time. Consume, 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 consume content all the time. Your brain, my brain is not made to function like that. And it will begin to show signs of weariness and burden. It will begin to frazzle Cortisol levels will take their toll on your life. You will age faster. It will hurt you. You will get sicker. It will lower your immune system. There's all kinds of repercussions on not following what Jesus is saying here. I love this uh, quote I want to share with you from John Ordberg. He's a, a great pastor, writer, written many great books. Here's what he wrote. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, It's that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. And what I'd like to do right now is to go back to that invitation, that promise that Jesus made at the beginning of this message in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. I love this. Let me read it. I'm going to read it a little bit slower this time and really think about how this applies to you. Let your soul hopefully feel that hunger, that thirst for what Jesus is offering here. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light isn't that beautiful Jesus extends that same invitation to you and I today and I have to believe you're anything like me, anything like the people that I know and love, you feel this right now. It is heavy on you, and it's time. Let me ask the question again. Are you weary? Burdened, anybody? Feeling like bone deep, soul deep, tired? It's time to take time to slow down and learn how to love God and other people. This is going to require us to do some things that are counterintuitive and very countercultural, I'm telling you. Other people, don't wait for other people to lead you on this. You're going to have to decide to do it on your own. But I'm telling you, the fruit from it, I can tell you from experience, is almost immediate. It is amazing to see how God will begin to bless that priority of putting him and carving out time to slow down and to listen and to be with him daily. Your your soul was created to connect to your creator. Let this time 
Maybe for some of you, you've got more time on your, t- on your hands right now than, than you have had in years. What an amazing opportunity to incorporate these principles that I'm talking about today and over these next couple of weeks that could really radically change the rest of your story, the rest of your life, the way your family turns out. Begin to take time to listen to them, to love them, to be patient with them. Slow down. So incredibly important. I really want to encourage you to do that. And here's our application prayer. I'm asking you to pray with me today because I am definitely praying this one. I am definitely working to apply this one as well. Jesus, I come to you weary and burdened. I want to learn from you how to find rest for my soul. And that's what we're going to look at over these next several days. But here's where it starts. That I commit to make more time for you this week. I want to slow down, block off time for you, God to read. Maybe you've never read the Bible before. I just encourage you to begin to read through the Gospels. Look at the words and works of Jesus, what he did, how he interacted with people, how he loved them. Incredible. You will begin to see pictures of how he loves you and how he wants to meet you in the middle of your situation right now, where you are, the struggles you're going with, your family, your finances, your future, your career, everything that hangs in the balance right now. God is there to help be that stabilizing factor, that foundation upon which you can put your feet right now when there feels like there is nothing, nothing to put your feet on. And I just encourage you, take advantage of this time and let him show you how to begin to love other people. Ask for his help. It's beautiful to what he'll do. I commit to make more time for you this week and I will follow you. I follow you. Maybe for the first time in your life, you're gonna pray this today to say yes, Jesus, to your invitation. Yes, I am weary, I am burdened, I want you. I wanna find rest in you. And Jesus invites all of us into a relationship with him like that. And in that relationship, it begins by us saying, Lord, first and foremost, I want forgiveness from my sin. That's the thing that keeps me from you. And I need forgiveness, and only you offer that kind of forgiveness. So Jesus, please forgive my sin. And I'm trusting that when you died on the cross, resurrected from the dead, that was a payment for my sin. I received that right now. And I want to ask you to lead my life from this day forward. I want to become your apprentice, your pupil, your follower, your disciple. I want to learn from you. I want to learn how to follow you. I want to learn what that means. And we're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks. I hope you won't miss this. But right now in this prayer, I want to ask you just to carve out time this week to spend more time with him and to make time for the people he's put around you to love them and show them love. And I think just that practical step will make an enormous difference. It'll bless your heart and it'll bless theirs. It's incredible, just that little seed being planted, what it could grow up in your life spiritually. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.